time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Thanks for joining us on Re-Engineering Your Finances. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, founder at CP Weldy Group, serving you throughout the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA on Route 52. You can find us online at cpweldygroup.com. Charles, this is our final podcast, at least in the time that this is going to post, of 2020. Can you believe it? The, this crazy, wild, ridiculous year is almost over. Oh, I can't wait till 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think 2021 will take a step back and be a little bit more normal? Or do you think it'll just follow right along with what we've been going through in 2020? Yeah, I think it'll it'll go back to normal, but it might not go back to normal till the summertime. You know, obviously the vaccine, I heard today there's a third company, AstraZeneca, that now has a vaccine. So my thinking is by, um, you know, Memorial Day, Fourth of July slash Labor Day, I think we'll be in much better shape than we are today. I'd take that. I would take that right now. If we could say Memorial Day uh, as being back to normal, I'll take that. The ones who I'm seeing it saying it's we're going to be doing social distancing until 2022. I don't know. I don't I don't think we can take it. I don't think we can take it that long. Well, you know, the glass is either half empty or half full. Right. So I I look at it as half full. So I I think we're on our way to recovery. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly take Memorial Day as a time to get back to normal. Hopefully we get some vaccines and those kinds of things rolling uh, sooner rather than later. And let's get life back to normal. That'd be great. Well, speaking of normal, uh, we want to make sure that you have a financial plan that is not normal <laughs> because the normal financial plan is one that isn't prepared for retirement. So we want you to be different from everybody else that's unprepared and make sure that you're prepared for your retirement future. So on today's show, we're going to go through a five-question retirement preparedness quiz. And what we're doing here, Charles, we've got five questions to, for people to ask themselves. And with you, we're going to explore why these are important questions to ask. And I'd love to maybe get a peek behind the scenes of what your conversations are like with folks as you explore these questions with them. That sound good to you? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And really, this is the kind of thing that if you know the answers to these questions, you're very likely to be well-prepared for retirement because it's kind of that knowledge is power thing. Uh, So first question on our list, uh, a good place to begin for many folks, is do you know how much you have? And it's surprising. A lot of people think they know the answer to this question, but then sometimes have trouble actually finding out all all of their savings, where everything is, and what it all amounts up to. But it's a good starting point, right, Charles? Absolutely, Walter. I mean, as a general rule, I would say that most people have a good ballpark idea of, you know, the amount of investments that they own. Very seldom will I see somebody come in and really not have a handle on the amount of their investments. But where I find that a lot of them fall short is they have them spread out all over the place. They might have a 401k, an IRA, a brokerage account, a bank account, uh, annuities, savings bonds, life insurance. And it's not really organized in such a way that they can actually like you know, develop a plan to, to take these uh, assets, so to speak, and convert them into income, which all of us pretty much have to do once we reach retirement. Yeah, that's a, a great point and good that people, uh, it's not like folks may forget there's that extra little IRA hanging out on the side that they contributed to once or a small 401k that got left behind an old employer, but not often people are coming in with a $500,000 discrepancy in, of what they've often got uh, tucked away, right? <laughs> Absolutely. If they did, then, you know, I don't know if it's that's a good, a good surprise. client or a bad client. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good surprise, I suppose. Uh, now, the next question I have a feeling is the opposite of the first one, where most people kind of have a good handle on how much they have. How much do you spend? People will have an answer to this one, right, Charles, but maybe not an accurate one? 
Exactly. So I would say this, that most people don't have a really good handle on their spending. Um, I break it down into two types of expenses. We have fixed expenses and discretionary expenses. Fixed expenses, you know, pretty much we know what they are. If we have rental uh, expense each and every month, if we own a house, what the carrying costs are, um, you know, our uh, medical policy, what that costs, Medicare, you know, that type thing. But where I find that people fall short is with their discretionary expenses. And a big item could be, uh, you know, future health costs and perhaps travel. Yeah. And how, how many times a night you're going out to eat each week? I know we've done that before. We, we only go out to eat, what, like once or twice a week? That's pretty reasonable. And then you actually look at the bank statements to verify and go, oh, okay, well, it's actually three, four. Oh, this week we went five. <laughs> you know, it starts right. to, it yeah. slips away from you a little bit when you're not paying yeah. attention to those kinds of things. So Yeah, and we do have like a pretty good tool to actually help people in defining like, you know, how much they're spending. It's called like an income gap analysis form. And what we do is we kind of see what's coming in. Obviously, we know that, you know, certain people get their Social Security checks, some people have pensions. And then basically, what we'll do is we'll say, hey, you know, prior to retiring, what was your net income per month in terms of your net check that they automatically deposit in your checking account? And, you know, if it's a husband and wife, usually like they get paid twice a month, you might see four net checks going into their checking savings account. And then we ask them, we simply ask them like, hey, you know, at the end of the month, do you find yourself taking some of that money and investing it? Or do you find yourself going into other accounts and dipping into that to spend? And then that gives us an idea of whether that net amount when they were working is going to be sufficient for their retirement. Do you follow that? Yeah, certainly do. Yeah. All right. So that's a, just a reasonable determination. And then if people really aren't comfortable with that particular number that we come up with, then we actually do a deeper dive. We've got like forms that they fill out and most people don't like to do it, but you know, different categories, you know, fixed and discretionary. And then we kind of add it up and get a better feel for where they are and what they're spending. I think that's uh, so important because again, it's simple math, but when it's your situation, often you just overlook some of the basic math sometimes, especially if emotions get in the way. But if you don't know how much you spend and you're planning to retire and you have a really big piece of the equation missing, because if that number comes out way more than you expected and more than you're going to have coming in in terms of income, well, you've got a big problem. And that's how people end up retiring and then having to go back to work. Right, Charles? Absolutely. I mean, there's a thing called the 4% rule. I mean, it's not etched in stone, but the concept is that um, if you multiply four by 25 years, that's 100%. So I think they get the 4% rule by saying, hey, once you retire, perhaps your life expectancy is somewhere around 25 years. So a safe withdrawal might be considered taking 4% of your account balance out each and every year. So that's kind of like, the first you know, litmus test, so to speak, when I meet people is I look at what their investments are, I multiply them by 4%, I add their social security and perhaps their pension if they have one, and I can make a quick determination whether they're, hey, they're okay, or they're behind, or they're going to be, you know, uh, cutting it close. So the 4% rule, uh, you know, for those listeners on the podcast, is a, a nice little, you know, rule to use in terms of defining whether your um, your investment balances are adequate, below uh, norm, or maybe above what you're really going to need for the rest of your life. All right. So we've worked through two questions so far in our retirement preparedness quiz. Do you know how much you have and do you know how much you spend? Let's get into risk. A little bit of a shift of gears here. Do you know how much risk 
you have? Such an important question to ask, and I know that leads to a lot of conversation with you and, and clients. It does. I mean, you know, so risk, you know, if you look it up in a dictionary, I'm not so sure what you're going to find because I haven't looked it up. But basically, risk could be like, hey, I want to protect my principal. Somebody else might say, hey, I want to protect my purchasing power. I'm going to live another 20, 25 years, and I got to make sure that not only do I protect my principal, I got to protect my purchasing power. Others might have large account balances in their pre-tax accounts. They might need protection from higher, higher taxes. And then others might have accounts that maybe have fee drags. They might need protection from higher fees. So risk is defined as, hey, am I paying too much in fees? Are my taxes in line? Can I control them? You know, uh, are my assets growing to, you know, provide for a growing need for income as I get older? And, uh, you know, obviously you want to protect, you know, your principal from, you know, market declines. And that's why we have this uh, process called the bucket plan, where we actually put your assets in a certain location to mitigate risk, you know, depending upon what your income needs are. That's huge, I think. And um, risk got to be a big part of the equation and conversation whenever you're talking with somebody. For the record, the definition of risk, when you do look it up in the dictionary, is uh, a very simple one, Charles. A situation involving exposure to danger. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for that. Thanks for the info. I probably should have looked it up before the podcast. (laughs) Nice and straightforward, though, right? I mean, and, and so, and that doesn't, usually you don't want your finances you know, related to the word danger and exposure, you know, those kinds of things. So we want to uh, make sure that we're taking the right amount of risk in that financial plan. Such an important question to ask. Any of these five retirement preparedness quiz questions, really, um, these are not in order of importance. They're all really important pieces of the puzzle. Uh, Next on the list, Charles, we are going to deal with fees. Do you know what you're paying in fees? Often folks will come into your office and, and not have a good grasp of that, right? Yeah, correct, Walter. I mean, there's there's two types of fees, internal and external. So in, in, internal fees, you know, generally are less transparent. You, you generally find them in a company prospectus. So you got to do some some reading to actually uncover like what the internal costs are. And in mutual funds, it's called expense ratio. So they'll have the expense ratio, which really is the annual carrying cost to own that mutual fund. But what a lot of them don't you know, really communicate, in my humble opinion, is uh, the additional cost of maybe turnover. So um, generally speaking, like, you know, turnover costs are, I have 100 stocks that I own in a mutual fund, and if I have a 50% turnover in that particular mutual fund, that means at the end of the year, I, as the money manager, sold 50 of the stocks in the mutual fund and bought 50 new ones. So high turnover really means higher cost, and, you know, it's hard to quantify that. But years and years ago, probably over 10 years ago, I read a book by uh, John Bogle, the gentleman that founded Vanguard, and he said as a general rule, you know, look at the turnover ratio, in this example, 50% I'm using, and you know, multiply that times the expense ratio, and you'll get an idea of what the transaction costs that were incurred within that, you know, that uh, mutual fund. So um, I would say that the internal costs are less transparent. The external costs are a lot more transparent because in today's environment, uh, with the fiduciary rule, you know, if you're charging fees, you have to have full disclosure. And generally speaking, if an advisor charges one percent, there's you know an agreement that specifically states you know what is going to be paid by the client, when the money is going to be taken out, that type of thing. So, I would just say that um, in my world, if you have um, internal and external costs 
say of 1.75 or less, and this is just my opinion. I mean, other people might not agree with it, but if you have an advisor and you have a 1.75 or less in total cost, uh, generally speaking, I think you know, you're know you okay. Anything higher than that might be a little, uh, little out of the norm, so to speak. If you're a do-it-yourselfer and your costs are maybe 75 basis points, 0.75%, or less then you know, I think you're doing a good job. Anything above that might be a little high. So again, the point I'm making is that maybe 0.75% is a good carrying cost for internal fees, and maybe 1% would be a decent you know, charge for external fees. And it really, again, depends on facts and circumstances, account size, you know, and other, other factors. Yeah, it's a great point, Charles. Risk is uh, one of those big elements, but it shouldn't get uh, you know too much pomp and circumstance and totally ignore fees because there's a, a great opportunity to save a lot of money there. In fact, on our last podcast, you shared a great story about the amount of fees that were in a particular financial product and how you help navigate somebody through that situation and evaluate you know what it meant for them and their situation. I thought that was great. And I know these are conversations you're having with everybody that walks through the door pretty much. Um, last but not least, number five, questions you should ask yourself for a retirement preparedness quiz. And if you can provide answers to these questions and have a good grasp on each of these issues, then that's a pretty good indicator that you're going to be ready for retirement soon. And this one is about income. Do you know what your retirement income streams will look like? And we go back to question number one, Charles. A lot of people do have a good grasp of how much they have in their accounts as they get closer to retirement, but not exactly sure then how to turn those things into income. Yeah, so that's why I love doing what I'm doing because I love doing plans and I like taking someone's portfolio and asking them specific questions as to, you know, what kind of money they need in terms of uh, to supplement their Social Security and pensions if they have them. When will that money be needed? Uh, if they don't spend it all, where is it going to go? And what that really uh, teaches me is like that people really should be aware that they really not only have money that's for the next year, now money, I classify that as they don't not only have like a, a bucket of money for perhaps what they're going to spend in the next five to 10 years, which I classify as soon money, but they also have later money, which money that they're not going to need for, you know, a, a much later period of time. And really depending upon where that money's invested, you know, um, the now money might be in the bank, the soon money might be in fixed income, more conservative to provide them with the supplemental income. And the later money might be in growth stocks that, you know, eventually they're going to you know, convert into income down the road as, as time progresses. But um, the, the thing that I, I, I really enjoy about the plans that I, that I do for people is that people lose sight that there's actually three other classifications of monies uh, for income. And that is pre-tax income, post-tax income, and tax-free income. So let me just elaborate a little bit on pre-tax income. Most of the people that came to my office have monies in 401ks, 403bs, 457 plans, IRAs, and that's generally speaking all pre-tax income. They put the money in the account, the account grew, and now when they decide to take the money out, they're going to get hit with a toll charge, also known as income taxes. And what I find in my practice is a lot of people are unaware of what it's going to cost to take that money out, and that's why you know, instead of having the bulk of their money in pre-tax, perhaps they should have some of the money in post-tax or tax-free. And by doing a plan and actually allocating their resources into now, soon, and later buckets, we also take a deeper dive and we allocate them into pre-tax, post-tax, and tax-free accounts 
to optimize the amount of money they can take out of their portfolios over their lifetime. And to me, that's really exciting because I've seen, and I won't quantify it on this podcast, but I would just say this, I've saved uh, clients over hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes just by reallocating their investments in certain you know, buckets, so to speak, uh, strategically over time so that eventually they might have a lot more in tax-free than they have in pre-tax solely because they met with me and they had a date, dollar specific written plan done that addressed those, quote, hidden risks. Well, Charles, since this is our final episode of 2020, let's give uh, a quick recap to folks and maybe somebody's new to the show here at the end of the year. You mentioned that plan, that written out plan. Tell us a little bit more about how that process works. What's the best way for somebody to get started? How long does it take to go through the process with you? And uh, I'll tell people how they can get in touch with you if they have any questions about that. Great. Well, it's, you know, it's called the bucket planning process, and it's really three steps. You know, step number one is like, hey, we get connected. Are you a good person? Do you think I'm a good person? Do you, you know, you think we could work together? Just creating a plan for you for a fee. I mean, I don't do anything for free anymore. I actually do it for a fee. So I'll quote a fee. I'll get the plan done. It's a three-step process. Number one, meeting number one really is to gather the information. Meeting number two, the client and I co-design the plan to make sure that, hey, it's not just Charles Weldy telling a client what to do. It's the client and Charles Weldy working together to optimize all their options and to create something that they feel comfortable with going forward. And then the final meeting is the delivery where we deliver it and we show them specifically if we were them, what would we invest in, how much and why. And then there's an opportunity for that particular client to, hey, go out and do it themselves, take it to another advisor or implement it through us. And obviously we want the clients to implement it through us, but again, they paid a planning fee. And as long as they paid a planning fee and they sit down with us, we'll do our best to point them in the right direction either way. If you want to get in touch with Charles and talk a little bit about getting that planning done for yourself and your situation, here's how to do it. 610-388-7705 is the number to call. That's 610-388-7705. And you can also go online to cpweldygroup.com. You can even email Charles, charles at cpweldygroup.com. And we'll put all that contact info in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to check out and get in touch. Charles, thanks for a great year of episodes, and uh, we'll be looking forward to a fun 2021 with you. Thanks, Walter. Same to you. You I really appreciate working with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's Charles Weldy. Hope all of you have a uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and uh, enjoy some time with the family, if you can, in a COVID-safe kind of way, however you're choosing to celebrate and be with folks. I hope you get some uh, happiness and enjoyment out of that as we head into 2021, for sure. Uh, We'll be looking forward more than any other year to turning that page to a new calendar year, that's for sure. Uh, This has been the Reengineering Your Finances podcast, and we'll talk with you again very soon. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.